Well, look at the balcony. It's full of angels. Hello, angels. I saw you in worship. Why are you waving, Michaela? In worship, you were down here, but you're waving because you are an angel, though, right? <laughs> Amen. I don't want to preach very long. As a matter of fact, I may just talk to you for a few minutes. Is that okay? We just have a little talk. Let's have a little talk with Jesus and make things right. <laughs> Tell Oh, that's right. You know what? I actually have one. I have one. I'm glad you said that. I'm going to ask you all a question. I'm going to tell you a joke. That all right? Well, you, don't, you shouldn't tell jokes in church. You're not supposed to be happy in church. Absolutely, you're supposed to be happy in church. If you can't be happy in church, you ain't going to be happy nowhere. This should be a preface of what we're going to experience for the rest of eternity. And I do not want to be miserable sitting on a pew in eternity. That's why we let the kids dance. That's why we let them praise. And that's why we let them worship. And that's why we let them be open for the Lord. Because they're going to be doing it forever. You may as well let them do it here. All right. With that, I got a real spiritual joke. I want you to tell me if you know this one. Chuck Norris and Superman once fought each other on a bet. Chuck Norris and Superman once fought each other on a bet. The loser had to start wearing his underwear on the outside of his pants. Don't mess with Chuck Norris. Don't you mess with Chuck Norris. I liked it. I liked it. I <laughs> you better laugh. <laughs> oh, Chuck Norris. Only one ever wore Chuck Norris out was Bruce Lee. You don't mess with that bad man. Bruce Lee was crazy. Preach with me, baby. Yay! Yay! She already praising and worshiping. She knows she's been knowing. I have good news today. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on life? Have you been in a season of waiting? It's okay to say yes. It's also okay to say no. Have you ever felt like you're stuck in a season of waiting? Honestly. Obviously, we understand that seasons work in the earth. We understand how they work. Even Jesus mentioned the seasons in the New Testament. He said, how is it that you know uh, the times of the seasons, but you don't understand the, the, the signs of the times? Excuse me. My favorite season is summer. We're coming into it right now. Now, I know a lot of you like spring, a lot of you like fall, and whichever ones of you that didn't get touched with, or got touched with extra special, you like winter. Who likes winter in here? Who, who, you like this? Was winter your favorite? Is winter your favorite? I'm not talking about snow. I'm talking about when there's no leaves, and it's just miserable cold, and you can't go outside, and the sun goes down at 413. Do you, but you do, but that's okay. You enjoy winter. Cannot stand it. I like being outside. Obviously, I like being outside. I like there being light in the sky for more than three and a half hours. Can I preach? I do like the snow. I do like Christmas. I want it to snow. I want to play in a foot of snow for three days, and I want it gone. I want it 70. <laughs> and in North Carolina, you might get it, <laughs> you know, you know. But, but yes, we live in seasons, but sometimes in our lives, it feels like we get stuck in a season, and most of the time that season is not necessarily a, a productive season. Have you been there? Have you single people been in a season where you were believing and hoping? I'm not talking to the teenagers. Keep your hands down. Been believing for God to bring Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright into your life. And you may have been in that season. For, not you, baby. Not for a long time. Don't you amen that one? Not even a bit. Daddy's shaking his head, no. Shh. 
but been stuck in a season or, or you've been stuck in a season where you felt like you would take one step forward, but for every one step forward, you take two or three steps back. Has anybody else been there besides me? Because I have. We were there as a family. I've been there as an individual. She's waving her hand. You've been there. You understand what I'm talking about. I think there's probably some extra emphasis on your hand wave because I sense you might even be there right now. Am I talking to anybody that in some area of your life feel like I've been stuck in this waiting season? I'm going to tell you today Kairos is going to overwhelm your chronos and your desires are now. Now, I know for a lot of you, you don't know what that means, and that's okay. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what it means, but I just want to go ahead and declare and put out front prophetically that today, Kairos is going to overwhelm Kronos, and your now is going to happen now. Ecclesiastes, this is probably the most familiar passage when it comes to talking about times and seasons. It's Ecclesiastes 3. As a matter of fact, it was so popular that a rock band in the 60s made a song about it. You remember it? Turn, turn to every. You don't even have to, you just can hear Barbie sing it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I'm reading from the New American Standard. There is an appointed a time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. Now listen to me. A time to plant and a time to uproot that which is planted. A time to kill and a time. Does anybody else see in contrast here? It's, it's almost like the exact opposite. A time to live, a time to die. A time to plant, a time to uproot. A time to heal, a time to kill. A time to build up, a time to tear down. A time to weep and a time to laugh. Now, if it were me, I would take part B of every one of these because I don't want to laugh. I mean, I don't want to mourn. I don't want to deal with dying. I don't want to deal with uprooting. And I'm going to tell you this morning something you probably haven't heard before. You can choose. And I'm going to prove it to you biblically. And then by the Spirit of God, he'll shine a light on these words and you'll say, whoa, I didn't know that it meant I'm stuck in a season. Because when you're the child of the king who was the king of the seasons, you do not have to be stuck in a seasons. The name of this, this message is the appointed time, subtitled God's Beautiful Now. The appointed time. God's beautiful now. A time to kill, a time to heal. A time to tear down, a time to build up. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn. A time to dance, a time to throw stones. A time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. Am I talking to anybody? Can anybody identify with some of this? A time to tear apart, a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. My God, there's a time for everything. What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. Listen to me. Now, here's verse 11. I'm going to hone in on this just, just a little bit. He has made everything appropriate or better rendered beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in their heart. You better listen to me. You're judging yourself based on time, and you didn't know that eternity is in your heart. You, you can live in his beautiful now no matter whether you feel stuck in your little season. He has set eternity in their heart, 
Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even until the end. To read this very familiar chapter with a carnal mind, you're going to determine that we are prisoners of time. How many of you have read this before and said, okay, well, things seem to be going really bad, so there, this must be my season to die. This must be the season to pluck up. This must be the season to give up that which I've looked for. It's okay. It's okay to respond back and say, yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I want to ask you, is there ever going to be a season to live? I mean, is there ever going to be a season for prosperity? Is there ever going to be a season where things just go right and you can't explain it, but it just happens and things are blossoming and things are going well and you look out and there's fertile ground full of trees and full of bloom and full of uh, uh, orchards full of fruit that you can eat from. Is there ever going to be that time because it always seems like the message that we hear is, well, well, brother and sister, you just must be in a season of, you know, of growth, which to me becomes an excuse for a person that doesn't understand that you are not a prisoner of time. He has put eternity in your heart. You just heard the scriptures read for yourself. In some ways... We can make that true that we're prisoners of time. We do live in a time-space dimension. This is not science, this is reality. But in God, all things are done. Can I ask you this? Does God exist in time or does time exist in God? Can time contain him that could not be contained by the womb of his mother? that could not be contained by the cross, that could not be contained by religious systems, that could not even be contained by death itself, can time contain him? No. So if he's not contained by time, time must be contained in him. Because in God all things are done, all things are completed, God lives outside of the matrix of time, space. Time is contained in him, not the other way around. A close look at these words and their original meaning would shed some light on this topic and free us from the lie that we are bound to or prisoners of time. It's how Jesus would say to the woman at the well, I love these words, the time is coming and now is. How do you say that? He's sitting on, you remember he's sitting at the well. A woman comes, this is the woman that he said, the man you, you have now is not even your husband. You've been with five. It was during that discourse when he says, the time is coming and now is. I don't, I don't want to take it out of context, but I'm not talking about the context. I just want to talk about that phrase. The time is coming and now is. It would be the same Christ that would say, no one has ever yet ascended up into heaven save the Son of Man who has come down from heaven and is in heaven. And his feet were on the gritty gravel of the ground. How is that possible? The time is coming and now is. Here's the thing. If you're in a time to weep, you're living in a time, a time is coming. Because you believe that at some point, I'll stop weeping. If you're in a season of death, then you're not in and now is. You're in the time is coming. Does it, am I making sense? If you're in a season of mourning, if you're in a season of uprooting, if you're in a season of tumultuous and everything's going wrong, then you're in a time is coming. But Jesus has prepared for us a place where the time now is. If you go to any church on any street corner in America, thank God, and I'm okay with it, 
I'm just not okay with this being the major emphasis. They will tell you a time is coming when, the, when you'll, you know, we'll be re reunited with our loved ones. There'll be sick no more. There'll be no more crying, no more dying, no more sickness, no more disease. And that is true. For them, that time is coming. For some of us, that time now is. <laughs> when you realize I'm not a prisoner to this chronos. Chronos is the word from which we derive our, derive our word chronology. Seconds and minutes and hours and days. But kairos is an appointed time. A time in the Father when he says, I'm going to overwhelm what should have taken a year will take a second. The time that's coming now is because eternity is bound up in the hearts of sons and daughters that know their father is the God of eternity. Is, is this okay with everybody? I'm not, this is not too deep. I'm not choking anybody, am I? A time is coming and now is. Let's look at, uh, I'm gonna look at 11 again. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he had set the world in their heart, or eternity in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God made from the beginning to the end. The original language would say, he has made everything good and beautiful, not in his time, but in his now. That's the original language. Look it up in your, in your lexicon. Get, get out your Greek and Hebrew concordance. Look it up for yourself. He has made everything beautiful or perfect in his now, which means there's a place in God that is called the ever-present now, where Jesus is, where Holy Spirit dwells. Do you want to know? Let me, let me tell you this. You want to go overseas or even in America, you want to see someone that was blind be made healed like that, just like this, because I've seen it. You may not have seen it, and you might not believe it, and that's okay, but I've seen it for myself. I'm telling you, I've watched these big gorders fall off of someone's neck. How does that happen? Because what is became there now, just like that. That's what Jesus said our mandate was. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth, literally in our now as it is in your now. It's kairos. The appointed time, God's beautiful now, overwhelming our present circumstance. He has made everything good and beautiful in his now. Now, I looked up that word exactly, and that word now is the word eighth in the Hebrew, eighth. And it means time, it means now. The point is God's love is in now, and now lives in, I mean, God lives in now, now lives in God. So if you're in a time of dying, call resurrection into your now. <laughs> because it's always available in his now. If you're in a season of mourning, call joy into your now. <laughs> it is in his now, and it can be in yours. It's not spooky. It's the right of every son and daughter of the king to live in their father's kingdom. And in their father's kingdom's kingdom, all things are done now. So I'm in a time of weeping and mourning and I can't see the light. But instead of be succumbing to a prisoner of time, I call the reality of eternity into my now. God's beautiful now becomes my now. This is not mystical. This is not magical. This is inheritance. It is your right as sons and daughters of the eternal one. Yeah. I'm almost done because I'm hungry. Mark had an amen. One thing I said today, and I talk about food, and he jumps on the seat and says, come on. 
<laughs> in the Father's house, all things are beautiful. All things are good in God's now. He has set eternity in your heart and you can live in that reality now. Am I happy that one day we get to see all those things? Of course I am. A lot of people hear me preach about not waiting for some glad morning. And the point of it is not that there shouldn't be some glad morning. I just don't want to wait till I die to get there. So, you know, some glad morning. I know the song's better than you. I used to sing and play. And when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a land on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. And what the insinuation is, if I don't fly away, it's going to stink real bad here. When I die, hallelujah, by and by. What a horrible line. Just think about it. I'm not tacking the song. Just think about it. When I die, hallelujah, by and by. My God, that sounds morbid. I'll fly away. Not making fun of the song. The song is longer than me, and it'll be here after I'm gone. And yet, maybe there's some truth in saying, I don't want to wait for some, some glad morning after I die. I want some glad morning. It was some glad morning when I got up today. You know, because I rolled over and looked at that beautiful face. And then I had another that stole her face named Rachel that came in and said, Daddy, can I have some coffee too? And I'd already been up since 5.45, and I heard the Spirit of the Lord singing as I woke up. I heard it in the voice of the birds that were whistling outside my, outside my window. It was already bright at 5.45 this morning. I mean, the sun was already rising up over the earth, and I thought, my God, this is some glad morning. I don't have to wait till tomorrow to get to some glad morning. I live right now in God's beautiful now. God's beautiful now. So I was in, some of you heard the story, I was in India. I don't want to tell about, I was with Charles Johnson, who was a mentor of mine and a father of mine. And uh, when I was 20 years old, he, I started traveling around the world with him. I was talking to some friends of mine from Uganda this morning, and he took me there as well. And I'm videoing, and I'm just doing video and photography, and, you know, that's what I wanted to do, that and sing. I didn't want to preach. I didn't have any interest in it. Not because I didn't love preachers. I just didn't really think that would be something for me. Whew, boy, did God have other plans. I'll tell you real quick how that happened was uh, he got very sick while we were in India, so sick that he was hospitalized, and he looked at me and said, you have to go preach. And I said, man, I can't preach. I don't even know what to do. He said, there are thousands of people that are dying to hear your voice, and if you don't go preach the gospel, because I can't, they may not ever hear it. And literally, he, what he did was he took me to the edge of the boat, and he said, you see that big, deep ocean? And dropped me and said, sink, you know, sink or swim? I probably sank a lot better than I did swim, but I came up gasping for air. Probably everybody I preached to in India came up gasping for air the first few weeks. That's how I started. And this man, Charles Johnson, they bring up this little baby that could have been three or four years old and laid it lame at his feet, just laid it on the stage. And he said, bring me that child. And the preacher, and you wrap that, you sit down just like this on the stage, and you wrap that child up in his arms. And I don't have a clue what he said, but he rocked the child for a few minutes. He prayed over the child, and he said, call the mother to come up to the front. And they called the mother up to the front. Actually, I can still see it. If I were to put it the way I see it, the stage would have been there. Charles Johnson was on that side of the stage. Mom was on this side. And he put that little child down. He said, now you walk to your mother. And they told him, they speak Telugu. And so the translator said in Telugu what he said in English, walk to your mom. And that, I'll watch that little baby. And I watched strength come into that little boy's legs and walk to mama, and it blew my mind. What happened was that boy could walk in God's beautiful now. Yeah. 
If you ask anybody in almost any denomination, you would say, some glad morning in the by and by when he dies and go to heaven, would he be able to walk? And they'll say, yeah. Is there, let me ask you just as a general, in heaven, whatever that it means to you, is there sickness there? Is there disease there? Is there pain there? What if I were to tell you, you're 100% right, but you don't have to wait to die to experience it? That's what Jesus said the mandate was, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Do you think it's God's will for you to be afflicted? God does not afflict you to teach you. Affliction is not your teacher. The Bible is very clear. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. God doesn't have to give you a disease to teach you something. He doesn't do that. Can you? There is nothing in the world that I think I need to teach my kids by saying, man, if I could make Jacob sick with cancer, he'd learn this lesson. I know there are people in this building that are dealing with that. I'm not, you've not done, remember the disciples even asked him something one day. They said, hey, who sinned? Did his father sin or did he sin that he's got this deal? And he said, Jesus said, neither one of them. The glory of God's going to be manifested in him. Because we always think of something going in our life. If something is going wrong in our lives, we must have done something to earn it. So we have to go through it to earn our way out of it. And the truth of it is, in God's beautiful now, you literally have the right as a, as a son or a daughter of God to say, I want to step into your now. I don't think that you got to lay before the Lord and grab the knots of your rope as you walk with your robe down this long garden and pray, prayers. No. You know what I think it is? I think it's literally, I've said this before. Listen to me. The fruit of righteousness grows on the tree of surrender. What do you do? You surrender. Surrender what you think you know. Surrender everything that you think you know for everything that you may not know. You can say, man, I've never heard anything like this in my life. God's beautiful now. I can be healed right now. My family can be free of addiction right now. I can walk out of poverty right now. And the answer is 100% yes. Jesus doesn't want to need that for any of you. The father's a good father. He does not want that for any of you. So here's what I say. I watched a, I watched a video this morning. I actually shared it. And it talks about, I don't remember the, the term, but it's the state of mind that a child has for its first seven years of life. And it was a, it, it, this, was, this was an accredited study. I don't remember which school did it. And there's a doctor that's talking on the video. If you look on my Facebook page, you can find it. And he says, for the first seven years of a child's life, do you remember the word they live in? Um, for some reason, I can't think of it. It's past my mind. But anyways, in a state where they're very creative and they learn essentially, quote, the rules of life in their first seven years. For, and so they brought up, for instance, a, a boy that's brought up in an impoverished house that says, you're always going to be poor. The, the rich will always be rich. The poor will always be poor. You'll never have anything. You're not worth anything. And by and large, a greater percentage of those children that grow up in that style of home, that's exactly what they become. By no fault of their own, they subconsciously begin to hear what everyone else is saying, and, they, and so they repeat that to themselves. I'll never be anything. They may not say it with their mouth, but they've heard it. And I can tell you, I can tell you what a child does. If you say something to a child and you break something in them, they're going to remember that for the rest of their lives. You may not remember what they said or what they did, but you will always remember how they made you feel. That's Maya Angelou that said that. And so they took, they did a study, and then they did a study of, of children that grew up in, in homes of, of wealth, of, of great, you know, of great monetary wealth. And by and large, those kids, same, same activity, they just subconsciously were hearing different ideas and different plans, and you're going to do this, and you're going to be this, and you're going to accomplish this. And by and large, the greater percentage of those children for the first seven years that heard that, 
That's what they grew up to be. Now, if you're beyond seven years old, you're not outside of the realm of hope. I just thought it was interesting. He said, do you know how, do you know what this doctor in this study says that they did to people that were over seven to change them from chronos, the time of mourning, the time of suffering, to kairos, the time of doing well? They literally make them with their mouth repeat, I am successful. And they would say again and again and again, I am successful. I am successful. This is just an example. If you happen to deal with sickness, I would say, I am healthy. I am healthy. I am healthy. I am healthy. I am whole. I, and because what happens is you'll say it enough that it will burn down in your subconscious. And even when you're sleeping, you'll, you'll I am healthy. Now, this is not new age. This is the, this is the, this is the kingdom. Yeah. Whatsoever a man declares and believes in his heart, that's what he'll have. And so what, you know what happened is those people were able to come out of their circumstances because they convinced their mind that they weren't what they learned they were as a young child. And unfortunately, in 2019, there are a whole lot of children that have hold, heard a whole bunch of stuff that I don't think any, there are a whole lot of parents that sit down and say, and I know there are some, and, and those parents, you know, they need to get dealt with too because they have issues as well. But there are some parents that say, you're worthless, you're this. But some of them, as joke, well, you're never going to do that. So just, it's okay to settle for, you know, the factory job. You're not going to be president. You're not going to be this. You, it just, my father in our church 10 years ago, and there's no one in this church that honors and loves him more than me. I love him. But my dad said, I remember him saying, you need to get your kids to church. They're not going to be the next MLB superstars, the NBA superstars. And the first thing that came to my mind is, you don't know that. Just letting you know that it doesn't just come from bad people doing bad things. He considered himself a realist, and yet it's something in my mind says, you don't declare, you can't say that because there may be some in this church. What if God wanted to raise up a couple of MLB? I mean, you know what a major league salary, have you looked at their salaries lately? You know what kind of building fund you can have with that kind of salary? My God, I'm thinking like a preacher. But I, that's the first thing I thought was, and I remember, and some of my friends talked about it, and I said, I know where his heart is with that. He's saying, you know, be faithful to the church. And people are faithful to the church, but I, I, I don't ever want anybody, including myself, to put a limitation on what my children can or cannot be. I told, I sat down with Isaac. Isaac had a soccer tournament a couple of weeks back here in Statesville. Oh, it's almost supper time. Whew. I'm getting happy. The crock pots are hot. The dessert's cold. And the company's going to be great. Are there biscuits? Who said biscuits? Who brought biscuits? I, oh, if they're better than Logan's rolls, then, then Abby TV Paul come to live with me. I got enough room in my house for another Abby, by God. I sat down with Isaac, had a, a tournament a couple weeks ago in Statesville, and uh, he didn't know it. Elizabeth wasn't made aware of it after this, but there was, um, there was a co the college scout that comes in and, and, and essentially grades what they are, what they could be. And he said, essentially, at 13 years old, this kid could play uh, D3 college soccer. He's, a, he's that good of a goalkeeper. Uh, he's not in here, is he? Oh, yeah, that's right. He's not here because he's doing soccer. <laughs> Thank God. I'd never get him out that door. Big old head. And he said, this kid has this kind of talent. So I went down and talked to him. I said, Isaac, I said, it, he, I said, what do you want to do when you grow up? He said, I want to play, I want to play in, the, uh, in the World Cup. <laughs> I said, and the first thing I thought was, well, that's fine, man. And I told him, I sat down, I said, if you play in the World Cup one day, I'm going to be the proudest daddy in the world. And I said, if you go down to Kiwani and get yourself a job and work and support your family the rest of your life, I'm going to be just as proud as if you played goalkeeper on the United States World Cup soccer team. 
that's, what we should, that's the way we should be. But I, there's no way I'm going to cap or limit his dreams. Why? Because he believes that in God's beautiful now, all things are possible. Do you know why? Because we made a valiant effort as a young, with our kids from the time they were young to tell them, you can be anything you want to be. Why don't you create your own future with God? Why don't you hear the voice of the Father saying, come create with me? What if he's open to your ideas and wants to know if you'll explore the opportunity that he's put in your heart? He's bound up eternity, according to Ecclesiastes, in your heart. Which literally means the sky's not even the limit. There is no limit. So what is it that you want to do? If you're living in a season of mourning, a morning, I, I declare joy over my life. I declare joy over my family. I declare, I'm just not talking about some mushy, mushy naming and claiming stuff. I'm talking about talking to your spirit and talking to your soul. Did you know that God may have had the idea of light being manifested for billions of billions of years as we understand time, but it did not happen in this realm until he said, let there be light. So if it had to be declared by his mouth for it to work for him, maybe there's, a, maybe there's something that needs to be said by us. Maybe we need to start speaking from our own mouth and say, I am healthy and wealthy and wise. I'm gonna have what the Father says I can have. You know, if you're living in sickness, begin to say it until you believe it. I'm healthy. I'm healthy. I'm healthy. I'm healthy because there is power in your words. You don't have to believe it, and you may not know it, but if you say it enough, your mind will, you will convince yourself, man. Uh, the other day, one of my kids said, uh, I've got a headache. I said, I, I said I, and I believe that. I said, Let's, I'm going to pray that the Lord will relieve your headache. First thing I said was, did you hit it on something? Did somebody else hit it? Are you hiding a fight like y'all like to do when you fight each other and don't tell us about it? No, you know, or, or I'm tired. I say, well, I want you to stop saying I'm tired all the time. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm vibrant and I'm, I'm, I'm full of vitality. I even had, this happened to me last week. I, I actually, I've gotten into a, a place where I, I think I've convinced myself that I'm always tired because I'm always tired. And so one day this past week, I said, I'm not going to go sit down. I'm not going to lie down in the bed. Even if, there, if it presents itself, I'm going to go be productive. Not for the sake of just being productive, but I want to enjoy the day. I love days like, like today, 80 degrees and the sun is shining. There's a cool breeze. And, man, I got more done in that day and realized about 7 o'clock, man, I ain't a bit tired. You know? There's power in that. There's power in God's beautiful now. What I really think that happened was, I think that I just aligned myself with God's reality more than refusing to align with his reality and living in my own. You have the right to choose whether you're in a time for mourning or a time for laughing, whether you're in a time for uprooting or a time for planning. As far as me and my house, Josh Bunn's house, I'm going to live in God's beautiful now. And in God's beautiful now, I'm in a time of joy. I'm in a time of reaping. I'm in a time of dancing. I'm in a time of life. I'm in a time, that's where I'm living in a time of prosperity. I'm living in a time of health and wealth. I believe for that for my family. And I'm going to say it until they believe it and we walk in it in agreement. Amen. God's beautiful now. The time is coming and it now is. Simultaneously. You choose. I like how Pentecostal churches want to take shots at Baptist churches for talking about everything that God good has for them is in the afterlife and yet they'll tell you God's going to heal you someday. That's hypocrisy. I'm not against Baptist. I'm not against Pentecostal. I'm for the whole kingdom of God. If, you, if you're born, God loves you, and so I'm for you. 
And I can promise you, I do not know it all, and I do not have it all figured out. I'm learning and growing, but I refuse to stop learning and stop growing. Don't matter if you're Baptist, Pentecostal, Baptocostal, Catholic, Lutheran, Muslim, Hindu. It doesn't matter to me. I've preached and sat with all of them. I've had a machine gun put in my face by a Muslim, and I've sat down and watched God turn the heart of a Muslim and say that he's going to die for his belief. I've sat, down with, 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 uh, I've sat down with my friends that are Hindus, and we say, well, we're not like them. You're just like them. That's your brother. I heard, I heard a man say something that was very wise. I thought this. He said, he said the way that you're brought up, uh, the, the God that you worship is, is by and large influenced by your parents, which means a lot of times your religion is an accident of geography. Because I can promise you, Barbie, if you were born in India, there's about a 92% chance you would be Hindu right now. I'm not going to get off the subject, I just want to say. If you were born in Pakistan, there's about a 90% chance you'd be Muslim right now. And the trick of the enemy is, let's fight them. And the reality of the Father is, I love them all, and when they see me as I am, they'll leave that stupid religion, whatever it is, and come to me. But I've actually been there. I've sat with them. I know what their heart is. I like living with them and God's beautiful now because he loves them just like he loves me. Red and yellow, black and white, they are all precious in his sight. Remember that? Jesus loves the little children of the world. What a powerful song. It's a lot better than I'll fly away. <laughs> and I hope you get wings one day and you, and you get to fly and all that stuff. I'd like to fly. I like watching the superhero movies Think, man, that'd be cool. <laughs> Take off flying. Right now, you can live in God's beautiful now. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm not going to do it as an exercise today. I'm going to ask you, the one thing that I said, or the one thing that popped in your brain whenever I said the season that you're living in, and for a lot of us, it had carried with it a negative connotation. You might be in a season where you just cannot break, break through on an addiction. You might be in a season where your relationship with your husband or your wife is not where you'd like for it to be, or you might be in a season where you're waiting for that husband or that wife to come. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. First of all, I'm going to ask you not to believe me, but to believe the Word of God. That you can live in, according to Ecclesiastes 3.11, read it for yourself. Get out your own concordance. Get out your own study materials. It's, a, it's, a, it's at your hand. You can Google this stuff these days. I like to use a, a little thing called eSword. It's real easy. You can look up Scripture, and then you can look up uh, numerically where it would be in your concordance, and you click on it, and it gives you all the original language, what the word actually means. That's how I got God's beautiful now. Ecclesiastes 3.11. You may be living in a time where you're just, you, you, you don't see how you can pay the bills at the end of the month. You work hard. You've done the things that you need to do and maybe you've not even been presented with the opportunities. Here's what I want you to do. Whatever that thing is, I want you to think of what it would be like if that issue was no longer the issue. For instance, if you're living and you don't have a lot of money, I want you to begin to declare this. My father's the king. And so I declare that I'm walking in his beautiful now where all things are done. If you're in a broken relationship, and, and I'm not saying that we, that by saying this, it just magically goes away. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is there's power in your words. And when you begin to declare something, you'll begin to hear it in your own brain. And when your spirit and your soul and your body are in alignment with each other and not fighting each other, guess what? You'll walk in, the, in, in God's beautiful now. 
that sounds weird to a lot of people and a lot of people that it almost sounds no 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 it's not your spirit is one with his spirit but your soul is your emotions and your affections and your appetites your conscience so let's say you've 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 been saved you've had a salvation experience and all of us in here have i think i know pretty much most of you then your spirit's fine but for a lot of us our souls are torn all apart that's why david said he is the one the good shepherd that restores my soul My spirit's right. I know when I die, I'm going to heaven, but I live in hell every day of my life because my emotions are everywhere. My appetites are towards things they shouldn't be towards or my conscience is not where it should be. Begin to speak over you. I, I, I want to live in God's beautiful now. I declare God's beautiful now. I declare that I walk into wealth. I declare, you know, wealth is an idea. It's not money. It's a state of being. You can be wealthy and not have a whole lot of money in the bank. On the other end of other flip side of that coin is you can have all the money in the bank in the world and not be wealthy. I know I walk, I live right now with a broken relationship with my husband. I declare. My sister was gonna name her daughter Ida Claire. I declare. <laughs> I walk into perfect union with my husband or with my wife I declare that I declare union over my marriage I declare beauty over my marriage you said you give us beauty for ashes I've walked in the ashes season now I'm going to walk in God's beautiful now where that is made beautiful I, I want beauty for ashes I've walked in the morning and the crying long enough I want to walk in joy so I declare joy over my household I declare joy over my family. I don't just declare it, think that magically it happens, but what I'm doing is I'm aligning with my soul. I'm aligning my reality with God's reality. And when I align my reality with God's reality, I become a conduit by which the reality in the kingdom of heaven above me comes into my now. It superimposes itself. His kairos, his appointed time, his appointed moment overwhelms where I am in my season, my chronos. I speak to this addiction that I've tried to break and not be able to break and I've walked through the programs and it hasn't worked and I've been to counseling and it hasn't worked. I declare that I'm healthy and I do not need that substance. I declare that I'm healthy and I do not need that substance. My family needs me more than that substance does. I declare that I'm healthy and I don't need that substance. My family's enough. The Spirit of God in me is enough. I don't need to abuse that anymore. Better said, I'm not going to allow that drug to abuse me anymore. I walk out of that. You declare it enough till your mind believes it and you line yourself up with God's reality. You'll live in God's beautiful now. Let's all stand and pray and you're going to go eat. Lord Jesus, I thank you that by your birth, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and coronation. The Bible is very clear that you rose above all things, that you grabbed Adam and Eve by the hand and brought them out of Hades and brought creation out with them, and you have presented for us the opportunity to live in your beautiful now. I pray, Father, that our minds would align themselves with your spirit. The Bible says, be not, 
conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed. And Lord, you gave us the, the way. The way that we're transformed is by the renewing of our minds, is to change the way we think. And for us to change the way we think, we have to change what we hear. And if it takes us speaking it into our own existence, then that's what we'll do. I am healthy and wealthy and wise. I'm everything that God has ever said I'm going to be. I am a son of the God. I am a daughter of God. I'm a child of the King. I refuse to settle for less. Lord, let, us, let that be our declaration until that becomes our reality. Let us be transformed by the renewing, the making new again, of our mind. Father, this isn't too much for any of us in here to grasp. This is simple. We thank you that for some the time is coming, but I thank you for many in this place the time now is. And we walk into your beautiful now, your appointed time. Your appointed time for fullness and your appointed time for health and your appointed time for prosperity and your appointed time for uh, reconciliation. Father, we walk into your beautiful now today. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for this food that we're about to partake in. I thank you for all those, Lord, that have put their hands to prepare the food, especially Abby TV Bob. And I pray that you bless that food and bless our conversation and our time together. Father, I pray that you put it on the hearts of everyone here, Father, uh, that even if they didn't know and didn't even bring anything, that there'd be plenty enough, Lord, for all of us to eat and that we would commune and have, have fellowship together. I thank you that in your mind, this is a holy time. No agenda, Lord, but just being together. And I pray, Lord, that you bring increase as you see fit in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here's what we're